One of the things I love about Kingsway Bunch is a, a love for people that's evident here, and I applaud you guys for that. Um, that baby shower was a wonderful opportunity to show this new mom that God's people care about her. And uh, she's got some really nice things and just a practical way of saying, you matter to God and you matter to us. Um, another ministry that we have been involved in, a couple of the guys uh, had the opportunity to go to Belize and had a heart for some kids down there so they can go to school. And we were able to support several of those kids. And uh, I just want to share real quickly part of a letter um, it says, enclosed you'll find the latest school pictures of the children sponsored by Kingsway. I'm afraid I'll uh, pronounce their class wrong, uh, their name wrong. Heidi, is it Jaime? <laughs> anyway, and Alex Jaime, looks like part of a family. Malbino Jaime, um, sponsored by the ladies' Sunday school class, men's Sunday school class, and, and the youth group. And it says, thank you so much for making a difference in the lives of these children. I give these children education, uh, to give these children education is to give them a future. To teach these children the love of Jesus is to give them an eternity. That is our goal. May God bless you. And I have some, I have to set these out here, but here are pictures of the kids on buttons. These kids at uh, Kingsway family, some of you were able to uh, sponsor and grateful for that. I also want to thank you guys. Uh, it's humbling to be able to serve you and to be loved by you guys. I'm so appreciated. I know pounding out there and um, you guys talking about uh, a love offering next week. and um, it's very humbling. And uh, just want to thank you. not hard to love people that love you. So uh, just grateful for you guys. Thank you for showing us your love. Um, we're continuing on this morning, looking at dynamic ministry as we continue to look at the portrait of the church at Thessalonica, a young church that had the fire of God. And we're going to look at, continue to look at a series of one-liners, and we're going to look at verses 19 through 22 this morning as we look at the area of discernment. Um, it's not always so easy to, to answer the question, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to be? What is it you want of me, God? And, and we want to look at that this morning as we look at um, these areas here at 19 through 22 that uh, speak of discernment. So I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and stand in God's honor when you find it. And I want to read verses 19 through 22. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you, Lord, we don't know everything. We don't have it together fully. We need you. We need your spirit to be at work among us. Just ask this morning, Lord, that um, you might show up 
in your power. Uh, ask for your anointing. Ask for your filling, God, as uh, your servant. Uh, Father, if you don't speak, what's it matter what's said? So, Lord, have your way this morning. As we continue on in this time we've set aside called worship service, our heart desires that worship would continue in this allotted time, Lord, for your glory. Speak to us, Master. In your name we pray. Amen. F.B. Meyer, preacher of another generation, uh, before they had all this uh, technology, he was on a boat sailing from Britain to Northern Ireland. And as they prepared to head into port, all he could see was... Um, a lot of lights. Didn't seem to be any order to this vast array of lights. And so he, he asked the captain, he said, how in the world do you know where we're going? And the captain responded by saying, uh, you see, sir, it's, it's really simple. I'll show you how. He said, do you see that big light over to the left? He says, and do you see that other big light over to the right of it? And now, see the outstanding farther light? This way, he says, keep your eyes on those three lights and see what happens. It says, as F.B. Meyer watched, the big outer light on the left gradually moved in until it coincided with the middle one. Then as the ship turned, the light gradually merged into the third. There now, said the captain, all I have to do is to see that those three big lights become one, and then I go straight forward into the harbor. Uh, Meyer goes on in one of his messages and and he says, you take the big lights that God gives us. There is the light of the Scriptures, making sure that as you seek His will, that it is co- consistent with God's Scriptures. There is the light of conscience, that God gives you a sense of, of conviction, and, and, and He gives you a heart in that area. And then... Thirdly, there's the light of outward circumstances. And Meyer says, hey, when those three line up, there is a confidence that God's there. The Scriptures, the conscience, and outward circumstances. As we look this morning, in this section of Scripture, we'll look at three areas here and three commands that we find. Um, The first we'll look at is to Stop stifling the Spirit. Then we want to look at stop suppressing prophecy. And finally, we want to discuss to start searching the Scripture. You know, as we think of this area of the Holy Spirit, there tends to be two extremes. In some places of worship, it's let's showcase the Holy Spirit. So that there is this huge amount of emotion. And there's this huge emphasis on the movement of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. And there's just a lot of activity and energy. And then there's the other extreme where it seems that in churches they want to silence the Holy Spirit. Man, we've got an order of service we got a schedule, and praise be to God, we don't ever want to break that schedule. We want to keep that bulletin in order so that we don't really even need it. I want to know exactly what's going to happen next in the order of worship. A, B, C, D, E. 
And we love that hymn, Thou shalt not be moved. Both extremes are not of God. The Holy Spirit has a, a place among us. And, and as we look this morning, uh, the bigger worry is that we don't seek to stifle or silence the Holy Spirit. That we don't make God so small that He's no longer God. But that He beckons our call and follows our protocol and our schedule. May that not happen to us. But may we be open to God's Spirit so that He can still surprise us. Or maybe even shock us. Or scare us to death. Because He happens to show up one day in a way that we don't expect with His power. God forbid that we are a church that builds a wall around us so that we keep everybody in here. And no one leaves, but we're comfortable and we stay here. The problem with that is, if we build a wall around us to keep us all in here so that we know what to expect, we also keep other people from coming in. From finding the grace of God and the love of God and the power of God. And and we forget about what happens outside because we become totally consumed with what happens inside. And, and man, guys, when the Holy Spirit takes over, we can't control Him. A letter in 1908 was sent out by Scottish Presbyterians to the home base of Presbyterian missions. And here's what they wrote in the letter. They said, A power has come into the church that we cannot control. It is a sort of religious hysteria. Here we are about 60 Irish and Scottish Presbyterians who have seen it. We are all shades of temperament. We all shrank from it at first. But we all confess that what we have seen with our eyes can only be explained as a work of the Holy Spirit. Guys, it is possible that our minds are so rigid and so made up on what God is supposed to do and who He's supposed to be, that we silence His ability to work among us. God's bigger than we are. He's, he, may He open our hearts so that we can see Him. But then there's the other extreme that occurs at times. And to be honest with you, um, He's the Holy Spirit, not the goofy Spirit. And I think sometimes among us it can just get goofy where things occur and it's almost like the crazier it gets, the more evidence that God is there. There's no evidence that that's true either. We don't necessarily have to be jumping pews or hanging from chandelier. or, or And I'm not trying to say that is or not of God, but that's not necessarily an evidence that He's there. Um, I remember uh, first church that... Uh, seeing I served in after seminary, there was a family there I had tried to get to come to church for a long time, and I'd go see them. They were good friends of mine. And I went to, you know, I, finally I just said, look, guys, you won't come to church. Why won't you come to church? And they said, okay, here's the deal. I said, uh, we went to church one time. We walked in the church. Uh, at the end of the church, somebody grabbed us pulled us all up to the front. And they said, you guys got to have the second work of the Holy Spirit in your lives. And you're not leaving here till you get it. 
And the whole church surrounded them. They laid hands on them. And they said, they scared us to death. He said, so we dropped to our knees and crawled out the church. And hadn't been back in one since. And I said, look guys, I promise you, you come to church, we're not going to do that to you. We're not, we're not going to do that to you. But I never got them to come in. May God get a hold of us. Both of those extremes are not what God desires. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. It's not the goofy spirit. The sign that the Holy Spirit is moving through each of us is not that we control Him, but that He controls us. That He is working in us in such a way that Jesus leaks out of us as we move from one place to the next. And we don't even have to be conscious of it. Matter of fact, He may be working the most when we're not conscious that He's working in us and through us to touch lives. But God wants His Spirit to, to move through His people. And that, that's what Paul was saying through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to this young church. He said, guys, don't stop the work of the Holy Spirit among you. Don't settle just for the status quo. Be open to His work. Let Him touch your life. Let Him move throughout this fellowship. Let Him, let him move. Don't stop Him. There's a second command here though. Stop suppressing prophecies. Um, notice in the text here. He says, do not treat prophecies with contempt. I mean, don't, don't always be quenching what God has to say. Through the prophets, he would speak visions, dreams, sometimes audibly. He'd speak in different ways. And then the person that was set aside would speak to an audience, would speak to others. He said, don't close yourself off. Don't close your heart. Don't close your ears to what God wants to say to you. Be open to Him. And, you know, so t- we've all know that gets abused sometimes. Someone wants the power play and says, thus says, saith the Lord, God told me this. It's interesting as you look in the Scriptures, there's a job description here that God put in place so that uh, this would be taken seriously, so that people wouldn't be quick to say, God told me to say this to you. Uh, this is from Deuteronomy 18. We'll call this job description of a prophet here. Starting at verse 14 of Deuteronomy 18 reads, The nations you will dispossess, then the nation, the nations you will dispossess, listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire any more, or we will die. The Lord said to me, What they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. If anyone does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded him to say, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, must be put to death. Serious business to say you speak for God. You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. 
that prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. That's how you know it comes to pass that it's of God. Now, what is the purpose of prophecy? What, you know, when we think of prophecy, a lot of times we think of the future. We think of foretelling. But here, really, in this passage, it's talking about foretelling. It's talking about the Word of God coming alive in counsel that we can use on a day-to-day basis that is consistent with God. It's, it's, it's truth from God. It's God it's from the Lord spoken through His people. And prophecies come out and, and they're words that we use to be able to walk in obedience to God in His Spirit. Good counsel from His people that are under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, we're given some insight in this purpose of prophecy to look for. I just want to read a couple of verses of this, the first five verses, that give us insight into prophecy at work. Um, 1 Corinthians 14, he says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets, so that the church may be edified. So what happens in prophecy? Prophecy is never a chance to lift yourself up. Prophecy is always focused outward toward the body of Christ. It is to build up the church. It is to strengthen the church. Listen, no prophet comes and says, man, you are a loser. No sense of prophecy comes and says, you are a bum. Because prophecy doesn't attack personalities. That's not of God. Prophecy builds up God's people. Prophecy, that doesn't mean there's not repentance. God speaks the truth, but it's to build up, not to tear down. It's to allow healing to occur instead of crisis and, and to continue so that God can get a hold of people. It's, it's to build up the church. That prophecy is there to strengthen. And then in the third thing here, guys, and I'm done, um, we're called to search the Scriptures. It says in verse 21, Test everything, hold on to the good, and then avoid every kind of evil. We're called to not just blindly follow, but to test what the Bible says, to search the Scripture. Um, in Acts 17, verse 11, familiar Scripture to uh, many of us, says, now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So what was the key there? They didn't just blindly accept it. 
they got into the scriptures that they had of that day and they searched the scriptures to see, God, is this true? Is this consistent what you've already shared? And that was noble character. And God still calls us to that today, guys. Uh, This is from 1 John 4. He says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God because many false prophets have gone out in the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is from God is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So how do you know? Uh, When you test everything, you search the Scriptures, does it line up with the Scriptures? Is it consistent with the Scriptures? If it's not... It doesn't matter. The experience is not valid because it's going to be consistent with what God's revealed in His Word. Secondly, not only is there the Scripture test, there's the emphasis test. What about Jesus? Is Jesus elevated? Is Jesus lifted up? Is Jesus worshipped? Is Jesus the one who receives the attention? If Jesus doesn't, then it's wrong. Whatever we do, guys, whatever we say, we should always be able to elevate Jesus through it. If we don't elevate Jesus through it, then something's wrong. I heard, I was listening to Ann Graham Lotz uh, this morning on a video, and she was talking about when the ladies came and they were brokenhearted at the tomb. You know, there were all these events that happened during the week. And there she looked and she thought who she saw was the gardener. And she was broken hearted. And the question came, who are you looking for? And you know, she could have shot back and said, what do you mean who are you looking for? Where have you been? Don't you know about all the events that have occurred over these past days? Don't you know what has happened? Do I have to really go into this with you? But she didn't say all of that. And Ann said, I thought it was so beautiful the way she said it. She said, Sir, just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Guys, how can you go wrong there? My life's falling apart. I've lost my job or I'm having these relational problems. Just give me Jesus. Jesus, just show me, love me, remind me. Just give me Jesus. Uh, Important emphasis test. And third, with the one who's speaking, is called the moral test. Does his life line up with his words? If he's telling you something, but you know his life doesn't line up, beware. Run. Hide. All right, I want to tie all this together as I come to the end of this. Um, This is a quote from Donald G., Uh, a biblical scholar. G writes, All word and no spirit, and you'll dry up. All spirit and no word, you'll blow up. Enough of both, and you'll grow up. That's our our hope. That's our desire. Um, John Wesley was speaking and um, believed a lot in reading, learning, education. He was sharing when God had written him a letter that heard him speak, and he said, He said, Mr. Wesley, God is not impressed with all your book learning. 
So Wesley wrote him a letter back and he said, Sir, you are exactly right. God is not impressed with all my book learning, but he's also not impressed with all your ignorance. May we search the scriptures. May may we see what God has to say. May we ask, where's Jesus in all of this? May we look at the moral test. Does the person's life line up who's speaking? God, help me not follow blindly, but to look to you, to, to seek the Spirit to be at work and not silence Him. You know, we can talk about, well, I love my kids. But look, if you don't lead them in the truth, it's hard for me to really think you love them a lot. I mean, if I look at you and I see that your kids are playing in the middle of the interstate, unsupervised, I think, you really love your kids? I mean, it's kind of dangerous out there, guys. Or if they're juggling knives, that really doesn't look too safe. Well, I love them. But you better give them some truth because that's some dangerous stuff. And we've got to be a people of the truth or we get hurt. And And so... In this section of Scripture, he's saying discern. Learn to discern to see God at work. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank You for being here among us this morning. God, we, we stray so quickly, so easily, and we fail to see You at work. I pray, uh, Father, that we might obey You, that we might follow You this morning as You speak to us, God. Maybe there is someone here who has never trusted you, who has never bowed the heart and said, I need to be, I need to be forgiven. I need to be set free. That's what you specialize in, Jesus. And I just pray, Father, if anyone here is in that state, Lord, that that one would just pray now and say, forgive me, Jesus. Come live in my heart. Set me free. Father, for others who are here who have stifled Your Spirit, who have silenced Your Spirit, I pray, Father, that that would change. I pray that all of us would have a new awareness of You in our lives, God. That we would let You work among us, God. And just pray, Lord, that we would be open to You, whether it's to come pray at this altar that's open, whether it's to come to to pray at the front. Um, to make a public statement before the body of Christ. God, whatever You want, Lord, I just pray that You would have Your way among us, Lord, that You would be honored and glorified, God. In Your name we pray. Amen.